Would you guys turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, please? Proverbs chapter 3. It's good to be with you this evening. I'm glad you came. Let me reread where we left off last time, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. It would seem for some a contradiction to constantly be reminded in the Bible to grow in wisdom and understanding. To grow in the knowledge of God and then as you spend years doing that, you actually surround yourself with people and that are growing in their faith, that are being born again, and um, you do have wisdom to offer to them, and you do offer that wisdom. Um, the Bible's not saying that it is wrong to acknowledge that you have something to offer somebody the idea is that you believe in your own mind um, that you have this great wisdom. Because the truth is, the more knowledge you grow in, as you grow in knowledge through humility, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. Um, and then in another part, it's talking about... Uh, Growing in the grace and knowledge. Peter said this, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And um, the, um, th that's what he ended with the, the second epistle of Peter with. And it's very true we need to do that. But what you believe about yourself is very important on how you are used by God. If you go around thinking you have all of this wisdom and knowledge and just, hey, you could really learn from me, that is not the heart that is being desired here. As the scripture says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Right after it says, don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord. The idea is when you acknowledge the presence of God, that is the fear of the Lord, acknowledging the presence of God. Um, I struck, I think, some fear of God into my children last night before they were going to bed. I started talking about the coming of Christ for his church. And Layla, who gets really nervous about her salvation, was asking me if she's saved. And uh, I just reassured her with scripture, Romans 10. I said, well, do you confess that Jesus is the Christ? She's like, do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Then you are saved. And she, <laughs> when I was walking out of the room, and this was sincere because Layla gets really nervous if she's going to hell, um, said, dad, thanks for sharing that verse in Romans with me. I was very scared and it helped me. And um, when you fear the Lord, when you acknowledge his presence, you become immediately humble when you do share knowledge with somebody. I've, I recently um, had a missionary write me from Nepal asking me 
about wisdom on how to run a, wom a, a, woman's, uh, a woman's home. A woman's home. How am I supposed to know how to run a woman's home? I got to call him. He's a friend of mine. I, I, I meant to write him. If you've run a woman's home longer than a day, you know exactly how to run a woman's home better than I do. And what he's doing there is rescuing women from the um, sex trafficking trade out there. And um, in fact, if somebody asked me to run a woman's home, they couldn't pay me enough money to do it. I can tell you that right now. Nothing against you ladies. I'm just, I'm not equipped for it. I don't know how to do stuff like that. When I first got uh, saved and became a pastor, senior pastor here in Eldoret, I immediately recognized that there was a lot of questions that I didn't know how to answer. People would begin asking me, of like, in the early days, I, I learned to make it a habit in the early days of not answering questions that you didn't have an answer for. Like, it's a good habit for you men, by the way. Don't answer questions if you don't know the answer. We, we, it's like, how do you build a rocket ship? Well, let me tell you how to build a rocket ship. You know, you take the, the, you know, the flux capacitor. And guys make up stuff all the time. Guys do this because they don't want to be um, embarrassed not to have an answer for everything. You, wives go... What am I talking about? None of you are married in here anyways. One of you, two of you, three of you, four of you, five of you, and 30 of you. It's coming soon. If you stay in Calvary Chapel very long, it's coming real soon. Humility. It's, it's not that you don't have wisdom. It's you understand as you grow in wisdom, as you grow in knowledge, you realize how much you don't know. Fear the Lord. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. When we acknowledge the Lord is omnipresent with us, each and every decision we make, it actually brings physical health to your bones. There are, and I'm not talking about prosperity gospel stuff, guys. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is a reality that stress can cause ulcers, that stress can cause massive anxiety that actually gives people panic attacks. Has anybody ever had a panic attack? I've never had one. I've heard about people that's had one. I've personally never had one. They begin hyperventilating, they can't breathe. But when we acknowledge God in every decision that we make, which was early on, remember it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths as you acknowledge him each and every step of the way. I hope you guys face things in your life that are so difficult because we all do that as you face that difficulty, you immediately go to prayer. Just, I hope you do that. Like, oh God, help me, please, right now. I have faced situations that were so difficult for me personally that just the only thing I can do is pray. 
Oh God, I, I need your help right now. I, I, I can't do this. You know, just stuff like that. You acknowledge him. He will always provide a way of escape, a way out. So it brings health. Verse nine, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of, your, of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Something that is a great shame to our world because of their love for money, because of our struggle with loving money, is that a proper balanced view of money and the increase that generosity and faith can bring you has been so corrupted by the prosperity gospel preachers. It's a shame. Because what it has done has created an imbalance in the church. And there's always these imbalances in the body of Christ. It's always been this way where you can go way with this, the scales. You know how the Proverbs talk about scales and the Lord hates an imbalanced scale. And you have the pendulum the scale swinging way over here that people are, they flock to churches that are talking about money and how to get money quick, supernatural favor and promotions so that you can have jobs and increase and more finances and this is how you do it and people flock to those ministries. And it, it really, they, they can get filled up really quick and there's a little bit of truth in a mixture of a whole lot of lies. And it's really difficult for the undiscerning, unknowledgeable, unwise person, the unknowledgeable per- people in God's word to understand where the lies uh, begin and where the truth stops. And so they hear a little bit of truth. They're like, this is true. You know, maybe he's not right about everything they say. And then all of a sudden you're caught up in years and years of sermons whereby you've been lied to and it's hard to even understand what the truth is, especially without the knowledge of God's word. You guys know, and I hope that this isn't just a Pastor Josh thing where it's like, oh yeah, he really can't stand the word of faith. If you cannot, if you can bear the word of faith, I would question your love for fellow African people, for fellow human beings. These lies have so destroyed the body of Christ in so many ways here in Kenya, so many ways. These type of doctrines. I don't know if you've ever heard of Pastor Odoyo's testimony when um, uh, his parents passed away. They wouldn't go to the hospital because of these beliefs that have been perpetrated all throughout Africa. Um, these doctrines that arise that are so dangerous. And then on the other side of this pendulum is the extreme that I am actually familiar with, with different, even Calvary chapels, um, where the pastor just decides, for the most part, not to discuss finances, biblical finances. And the Bible talks about it. 
And the reality is, though we've been lied to in large degrees, that God is generous with people who are generous. He really is. There is an element of truth to when you obey God in your finances, well, your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. And we all like wine, especially Jordan Cross. You know, pastors oftentimes will just get frustrated with the financial selfishness of their members and then they can get about it. I think we have maintained a pretty good balance at our church where it, when it comes up in scriptures, we talk about it. There may be a few times I've been guilty of frust being frustrated, please forgive me. And I've mentioned it a number of times for a season of my life. Um, but the reality is there is a prescription of finance for the New Testament believer. That first fruits would include of all your increase, all of it, gross income. When I used to um, do a lot of radio at Fish FM, you know what one of the number one questions we got was? Should I give off of my gross or what? Net income. You guys know the question. And it's just, you're already in your heart preparing. And I'm not saying everybody who's asked that question has an insincere heart, but what you're, what you're starting to do is trying to figure out on what you don't have to give to God. What you don't have to give to God. Honestly, for the better part of the last eight or nine years, a yearly prayer of mine, I'm not saying it's once a year, but a reoccurring prayer of mine throughout the year is, Lord, can you give me more faith to give more of my money? And, you know, there's failures and there's successes, but something I refuse, absolutely refuse, to not walk out in faith is to give the first fruits of all my income to God. I won't do it, guys. I've, I've tasted and I've seen the goodness of God in showing the faith that it takes to make sure the first fruits of my income go to Him. It's so important. It's so important. Um, let me just say this. This is Josh Lawrence speaking now, not the Bible. I think I could use some scriptures to try to back it up, but I, I won't. This is Josh Lawrence. That I believe probably one of the first things, if not the most important thing, that you need to make sure you obey God and faith is with your finances. People will sacrifice their time. They'll come to church. They'll raise their hands. They'll serve for hours and hours. But they don't have faith in finance. I mean, come on, 100 shillings, a tithe off of his 10 shillings. It's not a question of how much 
of your money that you give to God. It's how much of God's money that you keep for yourself. If you could trust God in this, you would see within one year some incredible things happening in your life. There was a time, uh, I, I've, I've shared this story before, that um, we couldn't pay rent one month. You know, at uh, our church in Saito Center, that's when we were around 30 people on a good, good Sunday. And um, we were already like one day away from having to pay the rent. I think it was due on Monday. And, um, and that was the very last day that they gave us. And a college student that didn't go to our church, she was a member, actually she should have given it to her home church, but I think uh, she was in university. So she drove by, saw the sign, and came up and gave us 27,000 shillings. Our rent was 27,000 shillings. Um, there was another time, I mean, I could tell you story after story. There was another time that um, I just, for whatever reason, I got mixed up on how much money we had, me and Kelsey, which was very little back then. And I mean very little, like Kenyan little. So don't think, don't judge me. It was Kenyan little. And we, we didn't have any money for like the next day to go buy food. And um, as you can imagine, because I was, you know, I didn't, I, I'm the one who gave the money away, you know, without realizing Kelsey didn't have any more money at home to buy food. You can imagine I was in trouble, some big trouble. And um, all of a sudden, we had 40000 in our bank account. I'm like, how do we have... Don't ever... I'm never in trouble again, lady. Don't. And it was somebody that Kelsey went to Bible college with that she hadn't spoke to for like four years. Just some random person. It's like, I want to give Kelsey and John... That's the Lord. Only the Lord does stuff like that. How... People aren't smart enough to remember somebody they went to Bible college with four years ago and they probably need money, so I'm going to put it in their direct account. And somebody in Bangor gave them the account. They didn't even, we didn't even give it to them. And there's story after story after story after story. Um, what we've seen going on with our church in 12 years of ministry, we have never missed rent one single time as Calvary Chapel Eldoret. Never once. Guys, that is not common for a church in Kenya. And don't think it's just because of me. It's not. It's because there's been faithful people in our church. And those faithful people, the Lord has blessed in their businesses, in their lives. I can guarantee you they have not gone without food. I can guarantee you that. So there's this nasty, horrific prosperity gospel that is so offensive to God that those people have a hot spot in hell for them to dwell in. But there is this financial reality that when you're generous in obeying, when you're obeying God with the first fruits of your income, through your local church, by the way, 
And that's biblical. God does something. He, it moves him. It moves him. It, it, he, he loves that kind of faith. Now, people ask me all the time, well, what if it's my parents' money and they gave it to me for school fees? Listen, don't use your parents' money that they gave to you for school fees to give a tithe on that to your local church. That would be, that's called stealing. All right? It's called being a thief of your parents' money. But if your parents give you spending money that is now yours personally, don't be like, no, I don't have a job. I can't give. If you don't give off of that, you're a selfish little brat. I mean, it's wrong. Sorry, was that? Honor the Lord. You'll see what he can do. This Great Commission Ministries, technically we've been licensed for a, a little over a year. But it was just last summer that, with, that I got to travel and tell church as I preached the gospel and about the Great Commission and what our responsibility is as the body of Christ that um, we've been trying to get support for people to support uh, the, the gospel going out in, here in East Africa. And we're, we, we have a lot of vision, a lot of plans. In five months, we got three, around th 350 donors. 350 donors. And other missionaries would tell me not to tell you this kind of stuff because they're like, don't, don't let them know how much support. It's not for me. It's for Africa. And, and on one Sunday afternoon, we had been given... Six million, about seven million shillings after the conversion rate. The next day on Monday, we were given 10 million shillings just for um, when we begin building out here. If you, if you were to look at all the 501c3s that were licensed in America in the last 10 months, we may be the fastest growing mission organization in the world. I believe the Lord is honoring exactly what he's saying. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of some of your increase? No, with all of your increase. Why is it so hard for people? I don't want to embarrass anyone, so I never mention names of people in our church. Of course, I mention false teachers' names. Um, I have often done that. But during Sunday, which there's a lot of people, so don't think it was you, it wasn't. But, but uh, my wife was sitting behind, she wasn't doing worship. Kelsey was sitting behind a, a family and uh, the offering started to get passed around because it's biblical to collect an offering for the Lord, for the work of the ministry, for the gospel, for the kingdom of God. And uh, Kelsey told me after we got home and Sunday, she's like, she was laughing. She wasn't. She, she said one of the, the ladies was like, get, get 50 shillings. Get 50 shillings. 50. Just bring 50. And people were like going through like thousands. No, the 50. Get the 50. She was talking to one of her family members. I don't know. 
Maybe she only made, I don't know, you know, you, maybe, that's, maybe that was her tithe. We have about 350s every single Sunday. I, 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 I just think for your sakes, for your sakes, not for our sakes, God's always provided for us. But for your sake, test the Lord in this. Test him. See what he can do. He will honor it in amazing ways. He really will. And it's not some prosperity gospel thing. And I'm not trying to influence. If you are giving grudgingly, you're like, oh, whatever. Just don't give it all. Okay, we don't want your filthy lucre. But if you can find yourself joyfully saying, you know what, Lord, I want to change. I don't want to be the same person. I want to grow in my faith. I'm going to give what I'm supposed to give this year. And I'm going to give what I'm supposed to give for the rest of my life. And I pray you'd give me the faith to give more. To see, to test the Lord. What can he do? I'm telling you, I do not believe that we would be here without the faithfulness of people's financial faith in a room like this. We wouldn't. In a ministry like this, with all, guys, you can't imagine how many people Calvary Chapel Eldoret helps around Africa, especially here in Kenya. The Lord is so good to us. He deserves to be trusted. His past faithfulness demands our present trust. Trust him in your finances. I don't care if you have 100 shillings in your pocket. Go to the gas station and break it. I, I was telling my kids the other day. I was telling them, have you guys been giving? And they all got really shamed. You know, they're like, no, you haven't been giving to the Lord. No. And, the, you know, we give them little monies here and there. And uh, I don't know. I, I can't discern how Layla and JL respond as much as Zeph. Because they're women. And I just don't understand. I'm pretty sure JL doesn't care at this point in her life. I think Layla does, but Zeph, he gets very concerned. I said, Zeph, do you know God has commanded you to give of your increase right from the first fruits? Well, Dad, when I get money, I don't have a car, so I can't drive to the, to the store to break change and then take it to church. I said, Zeph, that's an excuse. You're at church almost every day of your life. Well, how am I supposed to break it? I said, if you can't break it, give it to him. Can you give me change? And he comes the next day with all of his American dollars that we give him and a little bit of Kenya money. He says, Dad, how much am I supposed to give? I say, a good start is the 10th. He goes, can you break this? He gave me 500 shillings. He's like, can you... Can you go to the store and break this? I said, no, I want you to be responsible to do it. So next time I'm at the store, you walk in and you get change and you take it and you drop it in the box. 
And so he does it. And the, later on that day, he goes, hey, dad. <laughs> He's all proud now, which I, I understand. He's like, hey, gave my money <laughs> in the box at church. I'm like, all right, well, that's good. Now let's talk about Matthew 6. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. <laughs> There's a lot of lessons there. He needs to start right now at, at nine years old. He, should, he, he needed to start at five years old. He needed to start as soon as he understand what the requirements of God are. And now he is able from his income. If you gave me a top five thing, a top five thing, this would probably be like two or three that I wish would change in the body of Christ. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I used to, I'm, I'm gonna move on in a minute. I used to tell Kelsey this. I used to, Kelsey, I fear God if we don't give. I used to say that to her all the time. I fear God if I don't give. My son, do not despise the discipline or the chastising of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. It's hard to discern when we are receiving the correction of the Lord. It's hard to discern that. Because at times when we face things in our lives, we don't know if it's consequential. We don't know if it's the chastisement of the Lord. We don't know if it's a judicial chastisement, which is a sense from the Lord. I believe what God is talking about here is all those forms. I don't think he's talking about a specific form of chastisement. I think the Lord is talking about all the different forms of discipline that we go through. For those who are sexual, sexually promiscuous, all the pain, the soul shredding, the STDs, pregnancies, separations because of illicit come and stay relationships, that that is a consequential thing. I believe that is a form of God's chastising. And sometimes when we're going through those consequences, we can feel so overwhelmed with the pain of it all that we begin to walk away from God because we're like, he's allowed this kind of pain. I understand it's, it's part of it. It's my fault or most of it or all of it. But he could, he, could, he could allow me to be relieved from some of the pain of the consequences of my sin. And, and oftentimes God doesn't. He lets us go through seasons of pain before he see, brings seasons of blessing. Understand what the Bible is telling us tonight. 
that he does that with those whom he loves. He's allowing you to go through this because he loves you. Can you imagine parents, those four of you who are parents with me? Can you imagine if we allowed our kids to get whatever they wanted all the time? They'd have no teeth. They would all be rotten from sugar. Um, they, they, they would kill each other, literally. They would stab each other to death. I remember when I was a kid, I'm pretty sure JL was really annoying Zephaniah. Zephaniah was just a baby. He had a rungu and he was doing this at her head, like winding up, getting ready to smoke her and her skull crust, you know. We, you know, either me or Kelsey, just in time. Uh, it's the same thing. Those of us who are ignoring the knowledge of God that he's equipped us with to guide us uh, in our life, we, we have desires that are against his will. We want to do things that are wrong. And he gives us a series of consequences and chastising. Another one is judicial chastisement. We break the law, we get in trouble. I remember there were some, there was times there were supernatural occurrences where I would get arrested and caught by the police. I thought I was so clever growing up, guys. I thought I was like uh, one of those people in the movies that could get away with the biggest heist, you know? And isn't it gross that we always root for the people to get away with all the money? What kind of sickos are we anyways? Does anybody else root for the bad guys? You're real, you, you really gross me out, John. Come on, you, the, the guy goes into the bank and he gets all this cash and the cops are outside. You know, come out with their hands up. You're like, I hope he gets away with the money. That would be cool. Gross. I thought I would, I thought I was so wise. Don't be wise in your own. I thought I was so wise. Guys, I think I've been arrested for drunk driving almost every time I, 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 I drunk drived. I got five DWIs. You know, that's drunk while driving. I've spent so many months in, in jail. Just sitting there like, oh man, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again. And God's like, no, I ain't that dumb. I'm going to let you sit there and I'm going to let you serve your time. Because I love you. And you need to understand what you've done is wrong. And you need to pay for it. And jail is so bad, guys. I hate it. It's freaky. Really, it's a freaky place. You got to fight like every day. They try to steal your food. They try to steal your socks. They leave you with no socks. You got to fight to get your socks back. There's also, so there's that judicial chastisement. There's supernatural chastisement. I personally believe that when that scripture is talking about God because of certain sins kills people, I think there are times where God will just kill somebody and just say, even those who are born again, just say, you know what? I've had enough. I'm not going to let you continue on in this. You're dead. Come up and join me in heaven. 
There's been times where I've been so tempted by sin that I've actually asked God to kill me. Lord, just kill me. I can be with you now. Let me not go through this. No, let, let me not bring shame to your name. I'm glad he knows better than I do. I got young children who need a dad. Supernatural. I believe Rich Mullins was killed by God. I really believe that. Rich Mullins is the uh, music. You guys know Rich Mullins? He says, Oh God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. You know that song? Oh God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. That's one of his least greatest songs. He was such a good songwriter. So good. My second greatest favorite Christian song of all time is um, If I Stand by Rich Mullins. Wonderful song. And Rich Mullins was a very neurotic, emotional guy. And he would get real crazy and he would go get drunk. And just like be at Nashville next to Christian recording studios, walking in drunk, bringing shame to Christ. And it just got to the point where I think he was such an emotionally disturbed man and such a public figure in the Christian music industry that God just said, that's enough, you're dead. And he come up with me. I think there's supernatural judgment and chastisement. But what the Bible is encouraging us is don't view chastisement and discipline as God hating you, but rather the reality is it's because he loves you. He loves you. I never got one spanking from my dad. Never one. I got a lot from my mom, guys. My mom... Uh, she had five children. And when I got saved is when my mind started to get clear. And I said to my mom, I said, Mom, who is your worst child? She goes, you by far. <laughs> I was the worst. I got more spankings than any one of my siblings. I never got one spanking from my father. Mostly because he wasn't around and he was drunk all the time. And I think, now we got beat by him sometimes, but I'm talking about a spanking on the, the, the backside, on the butt, where, which God designed our butt with an extra layer of, of fat so he, we could get spankings. I guess you Africans needed a lot more than. <laughs> when will I stop telling dumb jokes? <laughs> Yes. Wow. I just. <laughs> That's a good one, though. I mean, I just think because you guys were walking everywhere, he knew that there was needed an extra step for the children. My father never spanked me. I can tell you this I would have liked some 
if it meant him being around and being a good father and teaching us the word, I would have liked some spankings from him. It is an act of love to discipline your children. When you don't spank your children properly, not out of anger, I'm not talking about taking the cane and beating them until they're black and blue. That's wrong. But I'm talking about a healthy, you have a good conversation with them, you sit them down, you're like, listen, I'm spanking you because I love you. I've said that, uh, I, Layla and Zeph understand that. They're like, okay. JL, she is something else entirely. Like, I'm spanking you because I love you, JL. She's like, if you loved me, you wouldn't spank me. <laughs> it hasn't worked on her. Have you ever noticed, moms and dads, after you discipline your children, that they become affectionate towards you afterwards? Because there is an inherent thing inside of us human beings that when we do it properly, they understand it's because of love. God is telling us in his word, he loves us, that's why he disciplines us. We need discipline. Now, I, I didn't go that slow purposely, but I want to spend just about 10 minutes talking about some of the things going on in our world. You guys have heard about this Ashbury re revival at this school in Kentucky. It's a state in the United States. Have you guys heard about this? I guess this revival has um, spread to another school. And also, I think it was yesterday, possibly, if I'm not getting my days wrong, the movie, a Christian movie come out called The Jesus Revolution, which I've tried to talk to the owner of Rupa. He was inquiring for me to try to bring it to theaters. He's unable through the Kenyan distribution company to bring that to the movie theaters at Rupa. I wanted to rent it out for a couple days. The Jesus Revolution, by the way, is um, the story of what is called the Jesus Movement. Uh, it's the Calvary Chapel Movement. Have you guys heard about the movie that came out yesterday? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's possible maybe there is a revival starting in the world right now. Maybe. And I'm talking about a real world revival. I, I believe, you know, that it could be that the Lord is going to return right after a world revival. It just seems like the Lord's mercies to save many people before he returns for his church. There's a lot of components to a revival. But one of the components, it must be there for a revival to start. It must be there. And guys, I would like that revival to come to our church. I can't manufacture it, but it starts with people confessing their sins to God.
real, real repentance. I, I heard one man, he's a minister, I've never met him, but I do respect him. He says, I believe a world revival is starting. He said he saw this uh, movie, which I'm a little bit annoyed by the trailer because I've read every single word there is to read about Chuck Smith. Every book he's ever written, every biography, every documentary on the Jesus movement. And I really love Chuck Smith a lot. He, he impresses me as much as a biblical figure with his humility. But um, it, in the movie, it seems like he's, you know, being instructed by a hippie, Lonnie Frisbee, which he's not. He was the backbone of the Jesus movement, Chuck Smith. But I heard this man that I respect, he believes a world revival is beginning. And he said that he saw this movie and he says he's never seen a Christian movie like this since they started making Christian movies in the 40s and 50s with Charleston Heston. He said this is the greatest Christian movie he's ever seen. We, do, we will show it. If we can't get it playing at the movie theater at Rupa, which I will rent out the theater for a couple days and invite the whole town to come see it. If we can't do that, we will show that, that movie here at Calvary Chapel on the projectors. As soon as we... I mean, we're African. We could probably get a pirated copy tomorrow. I don't know if it would be right to get a pirated copy of the greatest Christian movie. Let's wait till we get it legally. I, I must tell you, I don't know if it's just excitement I am waiting for our church to repent collectively. To say, I'm gonna put down the pornography. I'm gonna move out of the house of my girlfriend or boyfriend. We're not married. We've been telling people we are, we're not. I'm gonna stop drinking. I'm gonna stop Sexual immorality, I'm going to stop listening to the nasty music and movies that we watch. I'm going to stop believing these things. I'm going to stop stealing money at my workplace. I'm going to stop lying about things to my boss. I think we've been on the verge of that. I think we've had a lot of people get born again in our church but I don't think our church has ever collectively repented. And I think we need to. And I'm here to tell you, there may be a number of people in our church that don't have their candles lit as God shared with the five virgins. There were 10 of them. Five had their candles lit, five didn't. Too distracted with university. It's not wrong but it has become a God. It is an idol. Let's acknowledge that corporately. And then women get out of school with a master's or a PhD and they go and they now have three children that they pawn off to daycare within four months of being 
alive so that they can return back to work. And then they grow up with nannies in the house that over 30% of the time molest the children and treat them badly anyways, just for the sake of survival. And I think we need to start doing things God's way. Because we are trying to incorporate so much of what we believe about God with the cultural pressures that we face around the world. We need to repent as a church. That's what's going to bring revival. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to manufacture it. But I did want to say, guys, I, I, I'm excited about what's going on. I've been watching the live stream of the Asbury revival there. And, and, and I'm, I'm a little frustrated with the critics. I don't hear heresy being preached from their church. Are we really upset that college students have skipped class to go pray and sing and hear God's word? You know, and you got all these apologetic critics. You know, the childer's lady. It's like, shut up. Your dad is Chuck Gerard. He was in the Calvary Chapel revival. Alicia, Alisa Childers. It's like, yeah, you're waiting to see what happens. How about just believe that God can touch a university and save many people and stop being a cynic? She even adopted a new word. If you don't know who I'm talking about, she's a YouTube apologist. She's like, I'm an objective cynic. It's like, and then I learned that she's the daughter of Chuck Gerard. He was saved at Chuck Smith's church. And she's reformed now. It's like, man, the apple has fallen far from the tree. I, I tell you, this is, this is what I want to share and this is what I've been thinking. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be like, oh, revival. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Do you know what kind of dream it would be if we could just have a, people coming for the altar, falling on their faces and weeping and confessing before the Lord in a worship service? It would be amazing. I don't know how to manufacture it, but I have personally been praying, confessing my sins. I almost, you know, I don't know if I'm getting hyper spiritual. Don't judge me. I almost put a candle and lit it in our room. It's like, I got my candle lit, Lord. I'm watching for you. He will come as a thief in the night. We will not know the day or the hour, but we can sense the signs and the times. And if you were to ask me, I am sensing something happening in the world right now. And I don't want you to miss it. Because you can't stop watching pornography. I don't want you to miss it because you can't stop drinking or stealing or whatever idol is in your life if that's not your proclivity. I don't want you to miss it. Let's pray. Lord, you say in your word that 
your sheep know your voice. And that when you speak to us, we will come unto you. When you call for us, we will come. Could it be that you are calling upon the world now and saying, time is near, time is short. Whether you come today for the rapture or the shortness of our lives, I pray that you would find our church ready, that we would repent of our sins, that we would confess, that we would turn away and fall upon your forgiveness and upon your mercy, knowing that a broken person you will not turn away, but you will come unto us. You will heal us if we as a people are called by your name, we'll turn away from our sins. You will heal our lands. You will heal our hearts. You'll heal our minds. Your Holy Spirit is welcome here. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would pour out. I don't know exactly what's going on at that college. But if it's your Holy Spirit pouring out, would you please pour out upon us? That we would find ourselves with our candles lit, ready for you. Seeing the greatness of your holiness, moving away from the pettiness of our sin, the beauty of your presence, The futility of our desires, Lord, we seek it. We seek for you. Not in the wisdom of men, but by your Holy Spirit would you pour out upon us the same Spirit that is pouring out upon so many around the world now, I pray you would pour out upon us at our church and upon these churches and Eldoret that are seeking you, upon our city, I pray for Eldorite, you would save people. I know there was many saved at that basketball tournament. I pray that the word of God that was planted in their hearts would not be snatched up by the enemy or by the cares of this world or by the desires for pleasure, that those words would reside on good soil. Help us not to be carnal, Lord. Help us not to entertain slander, gossip, division, disunity, but to have the bond of peace here in our church. No one can do it but you. No matter what's said, no matter what's preached, no one can do it but by the Holy Spirit. Pray you would protect our children from sin. From bad influences. Give us wisdom, Lord. 
I pray for the plans we have for the rest of this year with our conference in May. With our worship night. And Lord, I pray that you could get us this movie that we may be able to use it as a gospel outreach for this city. I pray you would raise up men and women to preach your gospel to their family, their friends, their colleagues. We love you, Lord. We desire these things. I know I desire these things. I know these people desire these things. Please forgive us. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a good week.